The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome once again to the Doctor Who pod, proudly brought to you by SJP World Media. I am Sai, and joining me as always is our good friend, Mr. Dan Griffin. How are you? Sweaty. Yeah, me. <laughs> in a word, okay. yeah, it's a, it, it, the, the, the big bastard lamp in the sky has come back with a vengeance. Um, but yeah, other than that, all good. I've been a bit ill, got over it. Uh, yeah, ready to talk some Doctor Who. It just it feels so weird talking to you on an evening because we've had to is, jig things around a bit. Yeah, it, it is It is strange. It's late for me as well. Obviously, with regards to your work and, and so on, we've started about, well, we were supposed to start about eight o'clock, but we tend to have a bit of a chat about nonsense and whatever beforehand. I mean, on this occasion, uh, some koala bear nonsense, but we'll get into that another time maybe. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's 20 past eight as we're recording. And it just feels like... It may as well be midnight for me. It feels so late. And you say about the weather and so on. We haven't even had the big lamp in the sky. We've just had the fucking heat. It has been humid and muggy and horrible and sweaty and gross. And we haven't even had sunshine with it. We just had grey clouds and crap. So Gloucester proper sucks today. <laughs> grey clouds and crap. Exactly, mate. Exactly. If there was going to be a title for this episode... <laughs> uh, on the plus side one thing we have got a lot of in gloucester thankfully is oxygen oh look at that segue dan that was almost professional wasn't it and do you know what do you know what made it even better i didn't interrupt you i just sat there and, and let it happen unlike some people i'm a prick i know I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, were, you were just enthusiastic i uh, understand but yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a, a change to the planned programming. We were going to cover um, pilot with our good friend uh, Chris uh, eighty two underscore not Chris on Twitter. Uh, life gets in the way. Um, he's got, got a few things going on. Uh, you've got a few things going on this week. I've got a few things going on in weeks after. So uh, we're only going to have three guests this series. Uh, we're, so we're bringing you a, a Capaldi episode chosen at random, but we will cover. Uh, pilot with Chris in a season in future. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And our Capaldi episode this season is literally chosen at random. Uh, I messaged you and basically said, well, when we, you know, messaging back and forth, we said, should we just do a random Capaldi episode to, to fill the season and, and tick that box, so to speak? And then a short while later, I sent back something along the lines of, how about oxygen or what about oxygen or something like that and it was literally chosen at random i was sat having a poo dan and i looked on my yes phone on brand for me and i looked on my phone at list of uh, peter capaldi doctor who episodes saw that title and thought i don't remember that let's have a look at it that's exactly the same logic that had my that my Whitaker pick used uh, for the, on the draft episode this uh, this season that we didn't end up using, but it was just I don't remember that. We'll do it if I get the, if I get Whitaker. So yeah, happy to go along with that. Indeed. So we are looking at the season ten 
episode Oxygen, first broadcast on the 13th of May 2017. Uh, a very small cast here. I mean, we have the Doctor, and then the companions of the piece are Bill and Nardo. But then we only have five other people listed as being members of the cast on this episode, Dan, don't we? Yeah, we do. And this is often when Doctor Who does some of its best work. Confined spaces, small cast. It just somehow brings out the best in in them, sort of letting us know what's going on in the world and you know putting everybody's sort of teams of wrestling balance allows everybody to get their shit in. Mm. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And again, I like it as well because I've said it before on the show how New Who always tends to be not always, but there's a lot of New Who that is. We must save the world, then the galaxy, then the universe, and it gets bigger and bigger, and you know, and all this. But what I loved about Classic Who was sometimes the Doctor would be just saving a village or just saving a space station or you know something much mm. more smaller. And this this feels like in a way, a kind of a classic Who story, kind of an old school Who setup for this, in my mind. Yeah, I can feel that. It's it's a bit of a throwback in many ways because you've got um, sort of an older, grumpy doctor in in Capaldi, who you know you can come across as quite severe at times, but he has you know a bit more of that sort of modern jovial charm about him. And then it is you're right. It's it's trying to save four people. Yeah, on a space station who are in distress, and as we'll get into it, one thing I'd, I'd all, not not forgotten about Capaldi's Doctor, but that I'm realising going through is how bloody quotable he is. Oh yeah, some of the writing in this and his delivery is fantastic, and it it's shown up just the opening to this. I remembered this episode being decent, being one of the better ones, and um, and I'm really glad to have our first foray into uh, into the Bill era as well. Um, I remembered this being good. But I didn't, when sort of analysing it, I just didn't realise how good it actually is in places. Yeah, I'm, yeah I mean, okay, straight up, I'll be, I'll be very clear. I really enjoyed this. And I, yeah. I, I watched it when it first aired. I watched it back with Charlie. So this is probably the first time I've seen it in a couple of months, potentially. And I remembered quite a bit about it once it got going. But just mm. off the title and the images that I saw online, I, I couldn't remember much. But I, I love this. I thought this was great. Um, and we'll dive into it now, shall we? We, we begin with uh, Capaldi doing his, his best Captain Kirk, don't we? Yeah, space, the final frontier. Final because it wants to kill us. And just that alone, that right there, space, the final frontier, that's, you know, that's your standard thing. Like I say, it's Captain Kirk or, or whatever. I'm, I'm not a Trekkie. Um, but adding that twist on it, saying about final because it wants to kill us. And talking about you know the void and the little bubbles of safety and, and the void always waiting, and we're getting all this as two bodies just hurtling through space. Yeah, that is a superb mix of a really well delivered sinister speech and some very creepy imagery. I think there's a lot of creepy imagery in this episode, and um, we're gonna get into it as we as we run through. I mean, there's, uh, amazingly, this is only forty five minutes long as well. As you know, most episodes of, of New Who are, but there's a lot that crams into this without it feeling rushed in any way. That there's a lot going on, but there's so much creepy imagery, creepy moments, and it, honestly, it really takes me back to certain proper old school scary moments from classic Who. And I thought it's just really well done. Uh, 
our initial scene then our initial opening is that there are uh two people out i suppose spacewalk is is the correct term isn't it when they when they have, have stuff to do out on the on the outside of a ship on the outside of a uh a space station of some sort and the the one is a lady and she is basically telling the other person with her um, who is a chap that she wants to have a baby with him but the communication systems are broken you know so he doesn't hear any of it and all that and they're you know going along with these magnetic boots on and so on and again visually it's spectacular because they're on the outside of this metal structure with these massive clunky magnetic boots on stomping around you're trying to open i think they're opening an airlock aren't they is that correct yeah yeah that's right yeah Yeah. okay just so just to put in all of this just establishes everything so well because it's laying in the minds of the audience that these suits that they're wearing are prone to breaking down you know they've got the problems with the comms Mm -hmm. and and the setting the technology and in the world, you know, the mag boots, we see oxygen credits. The comms are broken. It, we're very quickly getting an idea of how all this works, and that's going to come into play so much later on. It, it's, I don't know if foreshadowing is the right word, but it's such a simple thing in a very show don't tell way of just letting your audience know the sort of rules of the game, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. And how this will go on. And then, just something it's quite there's a lot of in this i'm going to sort of probably chalk down to a typical horror trope but done very well right when uh, when the guy's name's ivan uh, as we'll find out later on he's he bypass he's got to bypass the airlock so he's working we know he can't hear her and then just in silence because there's no sound in space these two suits that have been spinning you know two people that have been spinning towards the station land and you just see them drop behind behind ellie and he has no idea that anything's amiss, mm. doesn't Ivan? And then he turns around and he sees the three three suits without helmets bearing down on him. Well, there was one moment that I made a note of just before that. He is still working away. We, we've seen the the two bodies that have, that have been you know flying through space land, and this this lady panicking when she notices them. And then we cut back to Ivan, who's on his on his knees, still working away. Yeah. And as that's happening, a helmet floats past. Oh yes, sorry, I forgot that completely. And I'm just thinking that is so well done. It's and and we get the standard like you know turning around the realization on, on the character's face and the big scream of no, and then the music hits. It's- and I. Oh, what an open! Nice, what an it, open! This might be one of the best openings ever from from a, a sort of horror perspective. It's it's so simple; you almost don't realise how horrific it is. Mm. They're in space. We we know that that's established. We've just had the doctor talking about space wanting to kill us, and just seeing that helmet fly past. But yeah, you think what's the one thing you don't want to see in space, or one of the few, you know, one of the many things you don't want to see, and it's that. It reminds me of, have you ever, I don't know why I'm asking, but have you ever seen a film called The Strangers? No. So it's, <laughs> yeah. So it's a home invasion horror film where the, this couple have been to a wedding and they've got a, they've got like an, an Airbnb sort of thing booked. Um, and it's all got a bit awkward because this bloke's proposed to his girlfriend and she said no and they're thinking, oh, what do we do now? 
he goes for a drive to go to the shop, get a packet of cigs, you know, the usual. But there's these people who are trying to break in and kill them. And Liv Tyler's in it. She's the, the lead actress, and she's just getting a glass of water, and the camera's looking at her at the sink. And you can see behind her into the kitchen and into the hallway. It's like open plan sort of deal. Oh, okay. and it, and it And just from the shadows of the other room, this bloke walks in, and he's a tall bloke wearing a suit. But he's got a sack over his head with a couple of uh, really like dark eye holes cut into it, and uh, just a flat line drawn across it for a mouth, and he just stands there and stares at her. Okay, I think that might have been on the trailer for that movie as well, because you mentioned uh, Liv Tyler getting a glass of water and then something appearing behind her. That mm. I that rings a bell. Yeah, but it, it's it's very much in the same vein of. It's so simple, but so effective. Yes. And just so bloody scary. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then well, the, 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 the opening credits, I suppose, the opening music and so on, uh, rolls. And we have the Doctor talking more about space. But this time, he's it's a university, isn't it? It's not a college. It's a university he's talking to, isn't it? Yes, it is. And in true form, I said I wasn't going to do... Um, war and peace for my notes for this but I got all of this down where the doctor's talking about how space kills you okay <laughs> <laughs> excuse me and it's kind of necessary for the whole bit in this because he's talking about how space kills you and the main problem is there's no pressure so don't hold your breath or your lungs will explode um, because the air in your lungs will ex- you know, expand outwards as there's no pressure blood vessels rupture exposed areas swell and he says fun fact the boiling point of water is much lower in a vacuum, which means that your sweat and saliva boil, as will the fluid in your eyes. But the good news is you won't notice any of this as 15 seconds in, you're passed out as oxygen bubbles fall in your blood, and 90, sec- uh, 90 seconds in, you're dead. Any questions? You think, well, bloody hell. And one of the students puts around up and says, what's this got to do with crop rotation? <laughs> yeah, and, and that leads quite nicely into uh, Nardole talking to the doctor about him missing space basically isn't he? he he's guarding this vault at the university and that's kind of a, a running arc throughout this series isn't it for this this particular yeah. season and the doctor is feeling a little frustrated it would seem because he's effectively he's, he's grounded he's, he can't leave where he is can he yeah he's getting itchy feet it's um but it's a self-imposed um exile to earth this time around you know he's not actually stuck there by anything other than his own than his own word. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, a quick shout out to Nat Fernando. I, I really liked Matt Lucas as a uh, as a sort of companion or side character. Yes. I thought he played a really good part and just, the, just some of the shit he comes out with, you never quite know if he's lying or not. Yeah, and again, it comes back to, I suppose, in a similar way to Bradley Walsh in later stories. He... He adds kind of a little bit of comic relief when things are getting very serious or scary or tense, just by dropping in like you know even sometimes not even a whole sentence, just the the odd couple of words, and it makes you chuckle at the time. And I think having that aspect to a character can be really important. Yeah, and and also much like Bradley Walsh, this feels like Matt Lucas doing Matt Lucas things. It all it, you know, even though he's playing a you know an alien robot who who changed his face when he was on the run allegedly and, and things like that it it still feel, it feels very authentic mm. if you know I can't, it's hard to explain but I, I hope you get what I'm uh, hope you get what I'm meaning by that no I, I, yeah yeah 100% I totally get you uh, 
the Doctor is in the TARDIS with Bill and Nardal and effectively telling Bill that they can go and have a look at a planet somewhere. They can go on a little adventure, whereas Nardal is protesting because he has been told to keep the Doctor there. And when asked by who, it's because he's been told by the Doctor to keep the Doctor there. This whole bit. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. again, I watched this back. Any new who I say to, for, for the show, I say to Charlie, I'm watching this today. And she jumps in the room with me, sits down and watches it with me because she just loves it and adores it. And she's chuckling all the way through this. Whenever Nardwell's on screen, whenever he's having these interactions. And Capaldi's brilliant as well because he has these little one-liners or um, sort of almost snidey comments that he bites back with. But they're funny yeah. at the same time. They are. It's... It's kind of a, a really good mix of Hartnell, Troughton and Pertwee. Uh, when, when he's at his best, that's what it feels like because Nardole's not afraid to give the Doctor shit. You know, he's there saying, you know, you've got to stay, so blah, 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 and he's... I think it's the Doctor says to him, I thought I sent you to Birmingham for a, pack, uh, for a packet of crisps, and he's like, well, I saw through your cunning rooms. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> You know, he's not afraid to get psyched with the doctor, which I really like. And then he's, he's all smug because he's I've removed Fluid Link K57 uh, during your lecture the other night. It's, you know, and the doctor calls him untrusting, they're having a bit of a spat. Reminds the doctor of his oath. And Bill asks what a Fluid Link is. He's no idea, but the TARDIS can't go anywhere without it. And the doctor says, who told you that? Like, well, you did. So I teach you to trust me. And just off, just off the go, it's, it's, they're a really good double act, Peter Capaldi and Matt Lucas. See, that's, I don't know if, if you know, Dan, but that's, that's like a, a little throwback to William Hartnell's era. Right. Uh, the original um, Dalek story then. So what we we covered, uh, the very first tale, didn't we, in, in Hartnell's era, the, the whole caveman nonsense. Yeah. Straight after that is Doctor Who and, and the Daleks, the, the first Dalek story. And they are supposedly trying to get home. Uh, get Ian and Barbara home, land on this planet, which turns out to be Scaro. And the Doctor wants to go and explore this city that they see in the distance. Ian and Barbara and Susan are very much like, nope, no chance, can't do that. The Doctor actually removes the fluid link and says that we need to find another fluid link or it won't fly. But it's a lie to get down to the city and explore. That's brilliant. So, what yeah, a it's, throwback. It's, yeah, really smart, isn't it? That makes and then, me a little bit all the more. And then, and then a bit later on, when the Doctor is exposed as uh, not having told the truth about this, and they're caught in this 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 you know huge war between the Carleds, the Fowls, and the Daleks are rolling around and all that sort of shit. Um, Ian and Barbara are going mental at the Doctor, and again, it comes back to that time when the Doctor was supposed to be not the main character, but he was supposed to be. Uh, he wasn't always pleasant, shall we say, and he was difficult to be around, and he would do nasty mm. and bad things, and so on. Before you know, before we got the Doctor that we now love, and that was another big trait of it that he lied to them to get to go down to have a look at this city, and then you know they're getting shot at by Daleks and shit. So that's brilliant. I, I love, I love when the when they go in for something like that. It's it just tickles it, it it just tickles me turnips. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's great. Uh, the TARDIS takes off and then, you know, follows this distress call and lands. And they land in a place where there is no oxygen. But there is an air shell around the TARDIS, the Doctor explains. And it, it extends this to make it, you know, big enough for them to go for a walk around, as he words it. Right. Uh, Sorry, got to stop you there. Okay. 
the alarm goes off as the doctor extends the air shell and it says unlicensed oxygen yes detected and there's a sign there saying about oxygen costing and that is dystopian as all fuck yes a world where you're charged for the oxygen you breathe it's, it, it's only a brief moment you hear it and it's just an announcement in the background but that is how you sort of show don't tell for the world you know a lot of stuff we've said you know in certain areas beats you over the head with the point they're trying to make mm-hmm. this doesn't at, no, least not, no, no. at least not to the degree of some of them because I, I, there's points in this where I could go off on a big fat rant about late stage capitalism and and get on my socialist soapbox but um, I'll refrain because we're a light hearted <laughs> podcast Indeed, but, uh, Indeed. It, it all feels worryingly possible doesn't it <laughs> Oh yeah, without a date, mate. Without a date, I mean, I, you only got to look at the price of everything going up now, haven't you? To see how difficult it is just to just to live and survive and feed your kids and and whatever. It's it's bloody ridiculous. But anyway, anyway. Uh, on on a nicer note, I thought Bill testing the artificial gravity and and just being a bit like, oh, doesn't feel like space. And then her reaction as she looks out the window. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, because it's the it's the first sort of proper jaunt out that she's had i'm assuming then is this uh no the second episode smile ah um was when they went out to some sort of alien like resort or something like that uh that was um there was a lot going on there there were the emojis and stuff wasn't it yeah the emojis uh, the the emoji bots and stuff like that yes i remember Uh, okay well, she's she's mesmerised that she's in space anyway, isn't she? And she would uh, be. Doesn't feel like space, she says, all sulky, which, which tickled me. But uh, <laughs> uh, they they open a door, and there's basically just a fucking body stood there. It's oh. it's it's in a suit, and it's it, it's not a pleasant sight to behold, is it? Let's be honest. Looks a little bit like Lance Henriksen out of Aliens. Okay, now I have seen that, but I don't know who you're referring to. It's been a long uh, time since I've seen that. Uh, Bishop, the the android. Oh, okay. Who ends up crawling through the vents? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, you've uh, seen one. I have, mate. I have. Um, but again, but sorry, just to jump in again, this is yet more leading to yet more dystopia because you get all the stuff about um, the about you know. Oh, sorry, what was it? I'm jumping around in my notes now. But they're, you know, the last log entry is saying sta- station declared non-profitable and we've got 36 records of life science terminated. Mm. So that's like, what the hell is this future that, you know, that, that we're thinking of here? Again, very disturbing. It actually reminds me of a video game called Outer Worlds. Anybody who's played it will understand. But there was also a very human moment from Bill that I really loved, which was when she was freaking out at the corpse being stood up and, and finding it disrespectful yes. and she just wanted to lay him down. I thought, that, again, that it, it speaks a lot to Bill's character and, and sort of being early stages into the adventuring. See, Bill herself, I don't think we got enough of Bill. No. I, I really liked Bill, but it was literally just one season, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's annoying. I could have easily had another season of Bill but then looking back I could have easily had another season of Martha I could have easily yeah. had, 
Now, when I look back on it, I could have easily had another season of Catherine Tate. Um, wasn't really a fan of her at the time, but I've you know, grown to love the character over the years. So I could have had another season of her. Um, yeah, it's a shame. But then also, it's kind of, sometimes it's good to, because, you know, Martha finished her story, so to speak. You know, she she went off with the Doctor, got over him, went and lived her life, came back for the odd special. Bill, Bill's story has sort of a happy ending. Yeah, kind of, I guess. A bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the worst ending possible. She, she, she didn't get, you know, she didn't get Adric. No, she didn't. No. No, bloody Adric. Um, <laughs> the the Doctor is now sort of, you can see that his, his curiosity has been, you know, spiked here. And he's looking around and looking out into the darkness and so on. And Nardole and Bill are both basically saying, yeah, okay, shall we... Uh, Shall we go back to the TARDIS? And this is this is where Nardole and, and and Matt Lucas say more with a whimper than a lot of people can say in a sentence. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they hear they hear that clank do there and nothing. I'm sure this is the point where Nardole just goes, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, just the noise. <laughs> but it's one of the great lines from this from uh, from Capaldi where he says he, he calls but he harkens back to what he said before where he says the universe shows its true face when it asks for help we show ours by how we respond yeah and and the way that i i suppose the way that he's he's trying to you know explain to the others here he says there was 36 lives terminated out of 40 that means there's four lives here mm. hence the distress call yeah and all of a sudden, you then realise, oh shit, yeah, you know, because at that point, I'd kind of forgotten about that bit with regards to the whole, you know, the, there's no oxygen, the dead body in the suit, and all that sort of stuff. That bit had kind of gone, been pushed to the back of my mind until the doctor didn't just remind his companions; he kind of reminded me as well, you know. Yeah, and and it, but it's it's putting a, a human element to it as well, you know. It's not into, you know, you're not thinking just in terms of numbers. You know, those are actually four people. Four mm-hmm. people that need our help that have asked for our help, and it's it just brings it, it brings the like I say the element of well, another human element to it, which is ironic with the doctor you know being effectively an alien, um, and yeah, just leads to that great line. And after all this, because this has been quite tense and heavy, and then we see the spacesuit moving crates, and this is one of the funniest bits of the episode for me. This is great, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm, I'm watching that at first. I mean, again, I can kind of remember bits of this now. And seeing the, the body in the suit stood up brought back loads of memories to me. Seeing the bodies on the uh, outside of the space, you know, spaceship, space station, whatever, at the very beginning before the music ran, that, that's bringing back memories to me already. This bit here... I didn't remember at all. I'm looking and I'm thinking, there's a dead body in there. There's a dead body in there. And I'm, <laughs> Did you I'm, jump? Re- I'm readying myself for a scare, you know? I, I, it didn't scare me because obviously there is no, there, there's literally nothing in there. But it's, you know, it, it's a clever ploy again, I think. Because if you've not seen this before, the fact that this entity is moving cases back and forth. I'm not responding, and you've just seen what we've seen in the other room, my mind goes straight to, there must be a dead body in there. Yeah. 
it's a great fake out. And when he just yeah. the doctor sonics the suit and the helmet pops off it with a really loud clank and a hiss, and Nardal and Bill absolutely shit themselves. Yeah, and then you get the shot from inside the suit as well, don't you? As Nardole yeah. looks down the the head hole, and he just goes, ah, oh. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Again, just Matt Lucas doing Matt Lucas things. It, yes, just just wonderful. Um, and then when the doctor, <laughs> Bill is uh, sorry, doctor says he's maxing out their adrenaline and fear makes you fast and stuff like that. And Bill just says, "Do people ever hit you?" And he says, "Only when I'm talking." <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, this suit it provides a service, though, doesn't it? Because it gives information. The suit talks, and it's explained about the whole charging for oxygen and all this sort of stuff. And this is when we get the realisation, well, on screen for the characters anyway, of what we saw with that little kind of um, sort of showing you something in the background moment mm. earlier on with the unlicensed oxygen any unlicensed oxygen will be expelled. And you can oh, see... It's, it's worse than that, though. It's, uh, first of all, it says uh, there's never been any oxygen on the station. It's available for personal use only at, com- uh, at competitive prices. Competitive and, uh, prices. And any unlicensed oxygen will be expelled to preserve market value. Yeah. It's horrific. But it we, are, we are missing the quite crucial point that Nardole recognises the voice as, uh, as a woman he used to date. Uh, what was it? Was it Thalma? Was that the name? Yeah, we find out it's Velma later on. Yeah, it's that it's that wonderful moment when they when they all twig about the removal of the oxygen as a purge alarm goes off and it's going to decompress. That's just like whoa. <laughs> yeah, and, and then we get our first kind of real frantic, I suppose, moment of the episode because the, the air is being purged, uh, the the pressure is moving things around and it, it's very frantic, very chaotic scenes here. And it effectively, it ends up with the Doctor and his companions being locked away from the TARDIS, doesn't it? Yeah. The TARDIS is on the other side of the door, trapped in a vacuum. So, yeah, they're, they're effectively stranded. Limited amount of oxygen... And then they hear a voice on the intercom, and it's one of the survivors. Yeah, and I love this by the doctor as well, because they said, oh, identify yourself. And the doctor says, you first. Mm. And they're like, and the, and the voice on the, on, the, on the communication device says, oh, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, well, there's, you know, 36 people have died on this, this space station, this location. So you're either really lucky or you killed them. And yeah. I was like, oh, brilliant stuff. I like that. You're clever, sod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we find out that he's Drill Chief Tasker, and he hasn't killed anyone. And again, it's it's while the character's preoccupied, and everybody's sort of focusing on this um, this conversation, the body in the spacesuit starts to move. Yeah. So simple and slow, but very, very creepy. And again, it's the whole zombie thing, isn't it? It's kind of what we're angling at a little bit with, with some of these scenes, because it's a dead body moving towards you in a suit, and they're dead done in a certain way where the colour is off out of them and all this sort of stuff. They look creepy, they move creepy, it's just really, really well done. I think it really... The fact that there's not many people alive and it's quite a vast space and it's I suppose quite... Even though they're in space, it is quite old looking and clunky and worn down. The the Doctor was admiring the, the style of it. 
you know, the retroness of it, the pressure seals and things like that. Mm. So again, that's already given us the idea and led us to the conclusion that this thing maybe isn't the most up-to-date and isn't the most sort of wee-woo-beep-boop of facilities, yes. shall we say. Again, show, don't tell, implant the idea. Yeah, and again, it's, it's just really atmospheric, I feel. Uh, and, and the bad guys of the piece then, the suits, the zombies, whatever, they add to that with the way they move and the way they look. And, and even with the, as the machine, because they've got these big, clumpy, heavy, um, magnetic boots on. But as they're going bang, bang, bang with each step, the head is just rocking around loosely at the top because it, it, mm. they're dead. It's, it's, it's just brilliant. It's such a great visual. and creates that, that tension, I feel, especially when you're seeing it happen and the characters on screen are not aware it's happening. Oh, that's the best. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, the voice on the um, communications device is telling them, though, stay away from the suits, isn't he? Yeah, it's sort of not filling them in, but giving them a warning. Uh, the doctor spins around, the corpse grabs the Sonic and gets electrocuted, but crushes the Sonic in the process. So now the Doctor has no TARDIS and no Sonic screwdriver and a limited amount of oxygen. And again, you know, Billy's understandably freaking out, but the Nardole's been with the Doctor so long, the Doctor removes a chip and just asks him to get info. And again, it's simple, but really effective. They find a single line of instruction was sent to all suits. Deactivate your organic component. Mm -hmm. That is chilling oh yeah because you know the whoever sent that order doesn't view those people as people they view them as assets yeah exactly it's, be, a, it's, a, it's a component in a production line uh, as they say it's a component isn't it yeah deemed station deemed no longer profitable uh, de deactivate your organic component Pro oxygen prices this hyper capitalist dystopia mm. in a nutshell and done and done so very very well yeah. and again you know I, th I think all i can think of is the outer worlds which is a game where you've been you know you've been frozen for 700 years whatever and, and you're in this this colony in space and you're born into working for a company right and your whole life is you spend using and buying and per and the purchasing these company products and having you know every aspect of your life run by contracts and things that you have to put through a, a um, you know a bureaucratic system you know even if you want to marry or anything like that or if you want to get another job it has to be a contract handover right, so effectively okay. you, you know you're like you're born you're born into service sort of thing it's ah oh, it just it says so much and so very quickly this, this episode I mean sorry I'm coming back to the point even even down to them you know they've got to get in the suits now because it's the only way they can get the oxygen yes and the doctor outright says it capitalism in space you know and they're getting into these Ganymede systems series 12 smart suits which are, to be fair this you know they're not bad out of the series 12s but I think the 13s were so much better there was no records of any deaths with those at least yeah clever little upgrades and touches to those 13s it just slicker design as well, and much yeah. comfier. The, the mag, the mag boots were a bit less clunky. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Why do, why do we end up talking this bollocks? <laughs> I find they didn't cut in at the groin quite as much as the dwarves. <laughs> I, had about, I, had about, I, had about, I had about 10 dirty jokes go through my head then, and they all tried to get out the door at once and nothing came out. <laughs> um, but I do like the, the doctor's justification of this as Bill and Nardo are, are arguing. So, you know, the suits were off, were off network for repairs. Uh, if he's right, they have a chance to survive. If they're wrong, they'll be horribly, they'll be horribly murdered. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fair enough. Yes, and this is when we basically get, you know, the reveal of 36 corpses in suits stomping around on the outside, don't we? Converging on their position. Yeah. Oh, my it's, goodness. What a visual oh. again. But again, less is more, because we don't see them for long. No. And there was a big build-up as well with the lights flickering on and then looking outside and then finally seeing it like, oh, it was a proper oh shit moment. Mm-hmm. But it also made me think of um, of Heaven Sent that we watched. Yeah. Um, when they had the uh, the creature in the, the confession dial that just moved slowly but constantly. It, had a, it gave me a bit of those vibes. Yeah, um, okay. But then on top of all that, to add to the peril, Bill sees a counter on a suit and it says 2,500 breaths available. So you've got to calm down because when you panic, you breathe quicker, so you relax or die. Yeah. <laughs> have, have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever actually actively tried to relax when, you, when you're that stressed? It's impossible, mate. It's impossible. It's, oh, God. Such a cool touch and again just adding to that it's measuring your your average breath and the thing as well is that whilst that nardole is saying you know relax or or you die effectively the tension is cramped up again isn't it it's it's, it's, you know Mm -hmm. it goes up another notch because the 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 zombie corpse suits are inside now and they're chasing the doctor bill and nardole as they're trying to make it to i think they said section 12 is where the the other survivors are yeah. And they get to the door of this and this, the, the tension just builds and builds and builds because they're trying to get in through the, mm. through the door, get the door locked behind them. So these suits won't hurt them and so on. And these suits are getting closer and closer and they're not speeding up. They've got one pace and that's what makes yeah. them again, quite freaky. And I suppose it comes back to what you said, like the whole heaven sent bad guy, the villain in the, in that aspect. But it's, it's that kind of, relentless one pace we're coming to get you and then frantically trying to get this door to work get through get let in by the other people before eventually they do manage to get inside and it's just in the nick of time and and again it's so simple and we see it in so many other formats of, of television or movies or whatever but that that frantic searching whilst the danger approaches that frantic kind of efforts that chaotic scrambling trying to get yourself mm. to safety it, it just works, doesn't it? It really does. It, it's brilliant. And just getting across that terror. And, and it, even with all this in the middle of it, um, Matt Lucas remember, or Nardole remembers that the woman in the suit, the voice of the suit is called Velma. Yeah. Which is just a moment of, of humour that's just chucked in there, but still works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the added pressure of not being able to establish comms with, the, with Tasker and and all of that it, it just brilliant then they're finally getting and they've got guns pointed at them and even oh God, even then more world building just from a throwaway line when the when the doctor gets the psychic paper out and it says they're from the union 
and they don't believe a union actually exists. Mm-hmm. They, call it, they call it a myth. And so that's, you know, that's again another great bit of world building. And then we get another problem thrown in the mix because it turns out Bill's suit glitches and forces her to raise her arms out front. Yeah, and, and Bill's suit uh, being a bit well, a bit knackered, I suppose, is, is uh, becomes a running theme throughout the remainder of this episode. But we're also greeted by a bold blue dude. And I, I liked the interactions that he has with uh, Bill especially. Uh, initially because yeah. bill sees somebody who is blue and goes oh my god you're blue or you know etc mm. and and uh his name is darren isn't it or Dahran or Dahren. something like that. yeah and uh he's like, oh great we've rescued a racist and it, it just tickled me i thought it was really funny <laughs> it was yeah but, and to be honest there's two uh there's two, there's two uh white blokes were probably best steering steering clear of any discussion on that but it was uh, from the outside looking in it was uh, an interesting turn on its head it was it was indeed uh um but obviously a bill suit is a mess they got to constantly tinker with it and try and sort out issues with it and so on but one of the suits on the outside is fixing the lock on the door to get into them now isn't it because that effectively the doctor's asking do can they learn are they do they just you know carry out simple tasks is what we're told but they kind of get one of the suits in particular to start working on the damaged door the lock etc to where the doctor and his new friends are hiding behind yeah this uh, a fair bit happens very quickly here but it, again it doesn't feel rushed we realize now that it's it's sort of a ma- it's just a matter of time and it's a matter of maths Oxygen divided by bodies. Nobody's got more than 3,000 breaths left. And the doctor's trying to put a plan together. Bill, uh, Bill's getting the suit sorted. There's a great little bit where Nardo suggests that it might be a robbery and, and it'd be what he'd do if he if he tried to rob the place and they all just look at <laughs> um, But yeah, this stuff with the AI, it all goes very, um, very HAL 3000 in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I've not seen that. You'll have seen, to be honest, it's not that good. Um, you'll have seen sort of references to it with the red, you know, there's a similar sort of red light. Okay. Um, where it's like if it's, a, if it's a ship AI and there's a, a red light in a rectangular sort of framing and it, and it says, uh, I'm afraid I can't do that. And, and then goes on to be like quite murderous. That's where it comes from, from that. I think it's from the 60s. Okay. Uh, it was that movie. Um, but I really like this because we. <laughs> It's almost like an eye, mm, yeah. In the way in the way it analyzes things, and again with that sort of harken back to sort of a sci-fi classic. I thought it was really bloody good, and you know you get the sort of you know the whole dangers of AI thing as well. Um, but again, just th- decide that they've got to go for the uh, for the airlock because the uh, the getting but. They reckon that going outside is, is suicide, but they're all in there now, so they may as well try it. Yeah, yeah, um, makes sense. So, that, again, they've got all this panic as these, you know, the suits encroach. But Bill asks, what happens if I'm sick in my helmet? <laughs> and, and Nardole just has a great answer, and he just says, colours and smells. Oh, man. Grim. Oh, dear. Uh, but we lose somebody along the way here, don't we? Uh, they're, yeah. They're... We do we do a little bit more of the old classic Doctor Who running around, and uh, one of the doors is opened, and uh, there's a suit there as well, and it just zaps this guy completely. It's, and, um, it's a jump scare, isn't it? It's 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 to be a jump scare at that moment, and 
basically see the guy get fried in front of us. Yeah. And that's, um, that's, sorry, that's Drill Chief Tasker. Okay. Who, right. uh, who let them in. Also, I'd just like to point out, technically, another mining episode. Yeah, that is true. Because <laughs> they were mining for copper ore. Um, yeah, but there we go. True. You know, we don't see any. We don't. It's not all centered around the drill, so we will bypass that for now. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. He's the first one to uh, to have the organic component uh, deactivated. Yeah, indeed. Um, they, they make they make it to the airlock. Those who have survived make it to the airlock, and they're putting helmets on because they're they're force fields that are. Um, it's a clever little ploy, I think, because the whole the whole point of this is there's no oxygen. They've devised this uh, this this particular trick on the show here that there is a force field holding the oxygen around their face, so that we don't have to have all our characters and actors walking around with bloody great helmets on for the whole episode. We can quite clearly see their faces and the emotions and, and the expressions they're trying to portray and so on, which I think is a real clever little you know ploy for being able to act in this scenario and still get across that there's no oxygen. But going outside, they have to put the helmets on because the force fields aren't strong enough and, and, and so on. Yeah. And this is where Bill's suit hits, you know, well, the, the shit hits the fan of it again, doesn't it? I absolutely love this sequence. Um, first off, just to acknowledge what you were saying about the um, about the force field, the, it's kind of, un- I think it had flown under the radar because it was such a simple and easy to demonstrate solution to that problem. Yeah, I think you get like you said, really clever. But this next bit, when they finally open the airlock and everything's silent, because obviously there's no noise in space. Mm-hmm. Bill's having to. Bill's trying to survive for as long as she can. She's starting to ice over in the coat, in the vacuum, and then you know the temperaturelessness of space. There's a tinnitus sort of whine as everything's going mad. People are moving. They're walking. Um, Ivan is shooting at the suits and she's passing in and out of consciousness is Bill and it's all going completely mental it's a really tense moment of oh my god you know how are they going to survive this and then the screen goes black and she wakes up and there's just the the zombies in the suits looking at her yes it's so bloody good <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's so many layers to it, isn't there? So many. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's it's when you break it down, having no sound. Yeah. It's such a sim- such a simple thing to do, but it's it really is effective in this scene. Yeah, having Bill, you know, drifting in and out of consciousness, uh, and displaying that by having the screen go black and come back again, and the the the, the different shots of looking at the Doctor from her point of view, and then looking across to Nardle uh, from her point of view. And again, it's just changing a camera or turning a camera quickly with no sound around it and so on. But it's so effective. It's so well directed and so well put together that it really is such a, again, I keep using this term, but it's a huge, you know, atmospheric scene. It's it's just brilliantly done. Yeah. And, and it, you know, looking back to the opening of the episode and the doctor's lecture and how space can kill you, he set the rules. So how has how yep. has Bill survived? Yeah, it's it's incredible, and you know Velma in the suit talks, and the AI in the zombie suit is, is searching for the voice, but it can't find it. Nardo and Ivan are there, and you know the suit's set to water, and she's got a bit of oxygen deprivation and all of that, and 
again, a relatable way to explain why the zombies can't get to them. This section of the of the station is that new. It's not on the mapping system yet. So it's like if your sat-nav doesn't, doesn't recognise a new road. Really clever, that. So clever. Oh, brilliant. Just, But again, it's kind of that thing of it, it's a complicated concept and a complicated piece of technology, but put in a way everybody can understand. Yeah. Uh, Bill has effectively been saved by the Doctor, as you would imagine. He removed his helmet and guided her to safety. Uh, but then we get told that it's had an effect on the doctor mm-hmm. and Nardole explains to Bill that well, we're going to go see the doctor. He's mostly okay, but you know, he has been affected. He's, um, he's walked, walked in a vacuum for far too long. Yes. And when we see the doctor, he has, uh, well, should we just call it milky eye? I suppose. <laughs> and um, Yeah. He's, doc- he's got no irises, no pupils. Yeah. The doctor's no blind. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Bill gets brought to the doctor, and she says, "Oh my God, you're blind!" And he, he just quips that explains the bruised shins. Yeah, um, which is a, a you know very doctor thing to do. And even then, he you know she hugs him and says, "Oh, don't go all gooey on me. It's temporary until I can get back to the TARDIS. I've got things that can cure anything in there." And starts talking about you having spare eyes from a lizard. Which, which I thought was quite funny. That'll probably um, fit, he says, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, like that. <laughs> but very much playing it off so as not to worry them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we missed in all of this as well, when Nardole said he's in Section 12, the AI in the suits heard that. Yeah. And start piecing together the new map. And it's, it, again, just really clever. You know, they've kind of accidentally dropped themselves in it. Um, it's you know we've got Abby there as well. She's saying that that you know she's only got seven hundred breaths left. Darren's trying to get radio working while the doctor thinks. It's all very. It feels almost like the all is lost moment where there's no mm-hmm. coming back. Um, but <coughs> oh, sorry, excuse me. When Bill asks the doctor if he's okay, and his response is, "I have no Sonic, no Tardis, ten minutes of oxygen, and now I'm blind." Can you imagine how unbearable I'm going to be when I pull this off? Yeah, I love that. No even thought that, that they're going to fail or anything like that, but then Bill calls him out for making jokes to distract her from whatever's about to kill them. Yeah. But um, it is that kind of... Yeah. That, that real stereotypical doctor arrogance, isn't it? You know, the the, the arrogance side to him that... And, and you see it throughout so many incarnations of the doctor, from classic who all the way up to, to now, that huge level of self-belief the arrogance the almost joking with the, the i don't think it is no no i think this is exactly what bill calls it out to be i think this is the doctor faking it okay interesting i think this is exactly what bill said that the capaldi's doctor is putting a brave face on because he has no idea how he's going to pull this off yet he may have faith in his own abilities but the way he delivers it there's it's very understated for him, usually it's it doesn't have the sort of the, the there's always a bit of theatricality when the doctor's really on song and got the plan together and knows how that they're going to outwit the bad guy, right? Whereas this is more like it, it's it's more like being absolutely in the shit at work, and 
you, you look at your mate and you think, how the fuck are we going to get through all this? And they're just like, that'll be fine, we'll be done in 10 minutes. And you both know it's bullshit, but kind of lifts your spirits a little bit in a we can, we'll do what we can do kind of way. Okay, interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a bad analogy, but the delivery of it was, was again such that I felt like that the Doctor was putting a brave face on. Mm. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, during all that, though, the, 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 the suits begin to attack, but not long before that, we find out there's actually a rescue ship on the way, which is intriguing. Yeah. But we'll come to a little bit more about that in, in a few moments, I guess. Um, when the suits attack, they, they kill the blue dude, which was a shame. Yeah, Darren's uh, organic component is deactivated and Abby's firing shots off and everybody has to run for the car. Um, and again, Bill's, Bill's been through a lot um, in this episode because uh, Bill's suit locks down again. A reboot will take too long. They can't pick her up because of the mag boots. They can't get her out either. And the suit even warns that there's a fine for dying in it. Mm. There's something like being an unauthorised user, I can't quite remember. And again, that draws on what we've already seen. You know, we know the suit's knackered. We know that there's a reboot thing, but we find out now that it's going to take too long. They've already established the mag boots. It's, it all just ties together so very well. But this coincides with the Doctor having his epiphany of how he's going to get out of it. Yes. Yes, it's it's... It was an interesting scene for me. And again, watching it back with Charlie for, for our sort of watch back across the whole thing was interesting because Charlie was adamant that was it for Bill. She's dead. Because the suits are, you know, stomping their way down the corridor. The Doctor basically has to leave her, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. But it, it's the way he leaves her as well. Um, when he asks Bill if she trusts him. And he says that she won't die, but she'll go through hell and come through the other side. And now she's asking for a joke. Yeah. To sort of enforce, <laughs> to, to enforce that she'll get through it. And he doesn't have one. And she's stranded there trying to figure out if that's a good or a bad thing. Mm. And it is, again, we come back to how, uh, I, I suppose, it get, I keep using the same term, I apologise, but it, it comes back to how atmospheric this is with the the suspense building and building and building. Uh, Bill can't move. She can't even see what's directly behind her. But we can see the the zombie suit people edging towards her. And of course, one touch passes on the instruction to the suit to kill the you know the organic um, you know, component and so on. And we're seeing these suits getting closer and closer and closer. And as a Doctor Who fan, you're watching, thinking, okay, the Doctor's going to do something in a minute. The Doctor's going to pull something out of his ass in a minute. Something's going to happen. But it doesn't. And she gets zapped. And it's a, it's, it's pretty, I wouldn't say scary, but it's quite a, it's pretty pretty horrific, this scene, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's graphic and it's jarring because you're expecting the Doctor to, to save the day. Hmm. And the last thing Bill hears is the robot suit saying, your life is in our hands. Ah, yeah. (sighs) It's bloody good, isn't it? Mm, It is. Um, The Doctor then, and we get some more, I suppose, quotable moments from the Doctor here, because they make make it into the 
the core, I think it's called. The um, yeah, yeah, and. The Doctor is doing lots of wee woo beep boop. He's, he's running around doing lots of sci-fi gadgety stuff and asking Nardole to put him at a keyboard and all this. And he's doing all this blind, of course. And we get lines like, oh, I, I thought I was just tweeting and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just, it, so it's, it's superb. It goes a bit it goes a bit further, though, because Nardole's intelligent enough to think <clears throat> that what the Doctor's doing is electrolyzing the water that cools the nuclear power core to turn it into hydrogen and oxygen and give themselves an extra few, give them an extra few minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he's also trying to tell the doctor that it's not his fault that, that Bill died, mm-hmm. that, that, that he couldn't save her, and trying to talk him round to be what Nardo thinks is more rational, saying that it wasn't his fault. And then we get that line from the doctor where he says, the problem with the universe is everyone says it isn't their fault. Well, yes, it is. All of it. It's all your fault, so what are you going to do about it? As if, which is his meaning. Bill was his quote unquote his responsibility, you know, duty of care. Yes. And he won't shirk the responsibility for her death. And, but then we get Nardo saying she's dead, there's nothing we can do. And he says she's no more dead than they are, meaning the other people. So you have that sort of, wait, what? Yeah, it's kind okay. of that thing of what, what what's that about, isn't it? Yeah, and then. <laughs> It gets very undoctor-like in uh, in the end of this because what he has actually done is wired their life uh, their life signs to the cooling system. So if they die, the cooling system vents and blows up the whole station. And just with praise Nardo as sort of a comedy character and you know his threat to it later in the season, he says, you know, I'm the only one with the authority to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, when he act, when he turns around, he says, he disgustedly. Says, is that really the best you've got? Revenge to the doctor. Oh, that it's, was a good yeah. line. Yeah, and fun. I think when you get a, co- a character who is, like you said, a sort of comedy character like Nardo, uh, switching to those serious moments, the fact that they are so humorous the majority of the time, I think, makes those moments really stand out. Mm. Yeah, it does. It really does. And I absolutely bloody love it. Really well performed by Matt Lucas as well. But then Capaldi rolls with it and he's saying, not just revenge, revenge as bright as the sun. Revenge you can see across galaxies. And he's banging on about having a good death. And one thing we missed was that they'd seen signs of a rescue ship on the way. Um, but there was no hacking, no malfunction. The suits were doing what they were designed to do and to save the oxygen the workers were wasting. Yeah, It's, it's effectively hyper-capitalist murder. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Ivan, it, but it, it's, it, it all comes together and you think, you do realise just how awful this sort of time period is when Ivan checks the lock and the ship set off before the, the distress call. Mm-hmm. And just the simple line, they're not rescuers, they're replacements. It's the end point oh. of... The end points of capitalism, a bottom line where human life has no value at all. Fucking chilling. It's so deep, isn't it? It, uh... Yeah. A cautionary tale in many ways. Yeah, yeah. But what I love about it is that to, I suppose, for want of a better term, to save the day then, I guess, the Doctor kind of uses their own 
logic and thought process and the finance aspect of what they're doing against them to get what they want out of it because it's, so clever. it's brilliantly done because this whole this whole situation of if the uh the, the life signs of the the remaining survivors uh you know disappear then the reactor will go boom is yeah. explained to the suits as they as they come stomping in and they look like they're about to kill everybody and you realize that what well, the doctor explains that you know that will make them very expensive to kill yeah and all of a sudden financially it makes more financial sense to keep them alive than it does to kill them so you've used the the, the backwards horrible notion of finances everything against yeah. it to make the life valuable again and the fact that the doctor did that was first of all incredibly it, it's just brilliant doctor who it's, it's fantastic stuff from the doctor it's fantastic uh, you know way of, of of concluding what's going on on uh, in that moment really really clever storytelling but also it even makes the end of this episode saving the lives of the remaining survivors it even mm. makes that sit and make you think because the only reason they're still alive is because the doctor managed to convince people managed to beat the system and convince the 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 authorities the suits etc that they're more valuable alive now it manipulated the algorithm yeah so even even by getting the the success that the doctor wanted it's still using the 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 sinister aspect of of the opposition yeah. against itself, it's it's still quite dark in in getting the result he wants. I think. Yeah, it's cold and calculated, and purely down to a monetary value. It's it's ridiculous. But then the, the final sort of icing on the cake is um, when he presses something in Bill's neck, and she comes back round because what he's found is that the suit's battery. He'd spotted that the suit's battery was too low to kill her. Mm-hmm. So she was just sort of halfway dead, which is kind of horrific anyway. Um, but you get a moment as well when Ivan's wife comes up to him and uh, another member of the crew goes up to Abby and they start sharing their oxygen. Yeah. And he's sort of, he's looking at his wife in the eye. You know, she's obviously completely blank because she's well dead. It's just, you know, that's a that's a moment, isn't it? And it, it's only when you think about it, you realise how brilliant and horrific and conflicting that must be for Ivan as a character. Yeah, he's not, you know, a few hours ago or whatever it was, he's seen his, you know, seen his wife killed. He's narrowly escaped, and now his wife's corpse is sharing oxygen to keep him alive because a mad, a mad blind alien's just manipulated an algorithm. It's. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's, it's crackers. <sighs> but then, as, as so often happens, Nardole comes into it and just makes you have a little chuckle because Bill comes to, hugs the Doctor, and Nardole goes in for it. Well, he does this a few times in the series, you know, where there's a big group hug, and he just, he just, and he just goes, cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, that's effectively... You know the, the the peril over with, isn't it? And the doctor uh, offers the remaining survivors, um, you know, 
where does he want to, whether they want to be dropped off they're back on the TARDIS now and so on and they want to go to head office because they have a complaint to make and I'm thinking yeah just a small one yeah. eh? <laughs> just a little bit yeah but what I love is the doctor says promise me you'll be loud yeah you know kick up a fuss get him you know get him bollocked and then we're back in the doctor's office and Bill's, you know, speculating about the complaint working. And the Doctor remembers a uh, workers' revolution about six months from when he dropped them. Yeah. So, again, it's it actually reminded me of a Matt Smith story. The, uh, do you remember the Rebel Flesh two-parter with the, uh, the you know, the, the sort of living flesh that made clones of people? Oh, and yeah. That, that was good, that was. I really enjoyed that. It reminded me of a similar principle, though. Where you know at the end of it they you know they they get dropped at head office and and you know they're there to plead for the case as humans and and to show what the company's been doing and take it down that way, a little bit similar to this, um, you know and it all it's all looking like a nice happy ending, and then Nardo starts giving the Doctor a bollocking, but again because we've seen sort of the funny side of him so much, I thought this was really effective. Yeah. Yeah, not watching the vault basically is is the uh, the whole message that Nardole's trying to put across, isn't he? Yeah, and how close the words death, and you know what what would have happened if something terrible happened to you. You know, our friend in the vault would would know. You know, that sense it because at, at this point, I'm pretty sure we still don't know what's in the vault. No, we don't know. Um, I think we find that out in the next episode, to be honest. Um, but and he's there just saying, and he's there just saying, just give it a rest. Which is very unlike the Doctor, because he's you know he's saying I need a minute, which is odd for any incarnation of the Doctor. And Nardole's bollocking him and going on and saying, "Will you just look at me?" And he's like, "I can't." And he's like, "Oh, you're right, you can't look at me." And blah blah. blah. He's like, "Will you look at me?" And he says, "No, I can't. I really can't. I'm still blind." Yeah, and that's the end of uh, end of the episode. I mean, this leads to the whole Sonic specs and all that sort of stuff, doesn't it? It does, but it's also the ex- uh, the uh, not not extremis. I can't remember. Or it might be extremis. I can't remember. It leads to a really good three parter with the pyramids and the monks and and alternate realities and all sorts. It's a really entertaining three parter. That, to be honest, we should probably earmark to do one episode of that per season for our Capaldi episodes. Okay. Or maybe yeah. do them all in because you know we need to spread them out because we only have a limited amount of Capaldi. Um, or, sa- or save and do them, do them, you know, week to week. Mm. But yeah, that'll be be- that'll definitely be uh, be one to chat about because I'm uh, I'm torn on the Sonic specs. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan, but but then I wasn't a big fan of the whole the Doctor is blind stuff. And uh, mm, yeah, but we can get into that when we look at those episodes in a future series of the Doctor Who pod. Uh, overall then dan what what are your final thoughts on this uh so i mentioned before i remembered this being good i didn't remember it being this good i i, I absolutely love this episode it's not one i've really ever gone back and watched i've maybe seen it once or twice i think this is bloody fantastic and it goes back to a, a question that was asked about the witter career i believe by chris lewis about you know how it'll be viewed in, in years to come uh, I think the Capaldi era got a bit of un, undue criticism, and I think this is an example of an episode that's that's aged fantastically well, and didn't get enough enough love when it aired. I, mm. I thought it was bloody brilliant, and it's a it's going to be a not it's going to be a bit of a surprise high ranker, I think, in uh, in my end of season wrap up. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. 
I'm the same. I think this was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. There's so much about this that I enjoyed. And again, it doesn't feel like 45 minutes. It feels like I've watched a movie or something because so much goes on, but it's not rushed in any way, shape or form. It's, uh, it's just so good. The, the sort of horror tropes, the, the the tension that builds up in certain scenes. It's just absolutely fantastically written, well-directed, well-acted. And considering we yeah. weren't going to be covering this at the start of this season, and it's been, you know, thrown in because, you know, you know, scheduling issues and, and, and so on. I think this is going to end up being quite high on my end of season list as well. When we do the final episode of, of the season, which is quite funny again, because you look back to the beginning of the season, we weren't even going to look at this. So mm. that, that, you know, that's a funny little twist there, I think. Yeah. It's, and it's great. You know, some of this sort of come out of the blue and just wowed us really, you know, in, in how you're looking back on it. Absolutely love that sort of thing. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Now, we've only got a couple of stories left to cover, haven't we? Do you want to let everyone know what we're doing on the last few episodes of this season, Dan? We have. We've got two more episodes to do of the main season. Um, we will either, next week, because there are still scheduling issues at time of recording, uh, we'll either be looking at the Invasion of Time serial with Tom Baker, uh, with our final guest of the season, or we'll be looking at the Peter Cushing movie, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Indeed. And then we have our traditional season countdown episode ranking everything we have seen on this particular season of the Doctor Who pod. Uh, before we get out of here, then, Dan, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you and all the stuff you are involved in? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. If you want to hear more of me talking about stuff and you want to stay on the SJP World Media Network, you can hear me on The Volley, uh, coming at you every weekend with live alternate commentary for uh, Premier League games and probably in the week with the Champions League and Europa League and anything else that we decide to watch, really. Uh, come along, join myself, the magnificent Matt Lewis, uh, Connor from Connor Knows Footy and any other guest that uh, that happens to rotate in and out. Uh, it, my other projects are Unbooking the Territory uh, at UTT Podcast, where we look at the first and lasts of professional wrestling. Uh, we're coming to the end of one of our side projects at the minute, Unbooking the Tankatory at UTT Tank, where we look at the life and times of one of the hardest men that ever lived, Mr. David Tank Abbott in WCW. And we have more side projects uh, coming up on putting the territory, looking at the being the elite gay golf tournament has just finished. But we have plenty more in the pipeline. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Anything I'm involved in that you can find via the network that carries this show. So you need to be seeking out, searching and following and all that good stuff at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, um, uh, all those places. You know the drill right now, don't you? And, uh, you know, from there you can get all sorts of content that looks at you know, wrestling that I'm involved in uh, or you or wrestling that does not involve me if you're sick of hearing my voice. And uh, you know, loads of stuff, loads of content. The volley, as Dan just mentioned there, covering football. All sorts going on, all sorts going on at SJP World Media. But this show itself, most importantly, you can find and follow on Facebook and Twitter. And that is at the Doctor Who Pod. That's at the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D, at the Doctor Who Pod. I've had a blast, Dan. And I'll tell you what, I can't believe that we're so close to the end of our fourth season already. It's gone so quickly. 
It hasn't, and that's even with you know putting out a uh, bonus episode, and, and we you know we had to take a break for a week. It, it always baffles me that these go so quick, but yeah, what bloody fun they are! I love it, mate. I love it. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, I will look forward to whatever we are doing next week when I return from my holidays to sit down and talk more Doctor Who with you, Dan. Uh, you enjoy your jollies, mate, and I can't wait to speak to you again. Yeah, and to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. So you know when you die, sometimes you can get a boner because the blood moves around. Do you reckon any of them guys in the suits like just like broke the dick after death? Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs>